And let's pray for the receiving of the word today. In both places, the preaching and the prophetic. Amen, that we receive the word. Receive the prophetic today. Amen, and receive the word today. You know, you may not like what's being said, but if you let it, if you harden your heart or push it away, um, you're, you're doing damage to your walk and you're doing damage to, your, to the relation, your relationship to the Lord. So receive it. If the, if the Lord is speaking about things that need to be let go of, and I'm, 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 on, I'm, on, I'm, I'm here, I'm like, okay, there are things I need to let go too. You know what I'm saying? This, this is for all of us. You know what I'm saying? So there are things we got to let go, church. We got to let go of some things. The Lord is going, is returning. Not only that, there is revival in the land. And I want to be a part of God's revival in the land. I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participator. I want to cast out demons. How about you? I want to see, de- I want to see demons coming off of homosexuals. Amen? Amen. I want to see that happen. But you know what? If, we're, if we ain't right, we're going to be like the sons of Sceva. We're going to be running away with our, in our skivvies. <laughs> Receive the word of the Lord today. Place your hands on your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, heal our receiver. The word says that if today you hear the voice of the Lord, do not harden your hearts like they did in Egypt or how it's, whatever it says in, in, in the Bible when it says that. So, Lord, soften our hearts, mine as well, to repent, to receive, to repent, and to run the race that you've called us to run. Heal us, Lord, and make us ready for the move of your spirit in this church, in this town, in this county, in this state, in this nation, in Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had one of those days? Just one of those days. Maybe it even went longer than a day. It may have gone a whole week. Right? I'm getting some witnesses here. Maybe even a month or whatever. It's just like, it just seems like it's a pile on, it's a pile on, it's a pile on, it's a pile on. And you're like, oh, wow. I had, just had that week. One thing after another was piling up. And it's amazing how our response to pileups bring out the worst in us. Causes us to react, or in my case, overreact. If there's an Academy Award for overreaction, I won. We make mountains out of molehills. We seem to overreact to things. It seems like everything's going good. Everything's going good. Then it's just one little thing, and we react. Even overreact. And I had just that week. Sunday, my wife goes, honey, there's a flood in the basement. We just moved in the house four months ago. There's a flood in the basement. And come down, and there's a flood in the basement. And so I, I 
dry vacuum it up. And where, where's this water coming? I'm trying to feel where the water's coming. I have no idea where the water's coming. I'm looking. I'm feeling pipes. I'm feeling, you know, they were, it, it was. It was. You know, because I have no idea what I'm doing. It's like a doctor performing open heart surgery. If you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you're doing. I'm like looking with the flashlight. I don't know. So I called Julius. Julius, I got water in the basement. I don't know where it's coming from. So Julius comes. Oh, it's coming from. It's coming from there. Well, oh, you, you know, you got to back up. You probably, you probably need to empty your, your septic tank. And I'm like, I just moved in. Come on now. You know, pile on. That was Sunday. Monday. This is our dog. A dog. <laughs> this is our dog, our new dog, Sarge. We have two other dogs. It is awe. It took me a long time place to get to awe on this dog. My daughter and my wife, they say, can we, let, can we um, foster some dogs? I'm like, as long as they're in and they're out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that, right? So they're talking about this dog, Sarge, oh, Sarge. Oh, he's such a cute dog. And, it's, da, da, da. Uh, and then I, I was trying to be kind. I said, all right, come on, let's go visit, let's go visit Sarge. So we go visit Sarge, and Sarge comes in the room, and here he is. My daughter's loving on him and this and that. And he's 10 years old, and I'm like, well, all right, you know. Then... And then I said, well, what's the story with Sarge? And the, the volunteer says, well, he's been here 176 days. <laughs> right? Oh, he's been 176 days. Well, who's visiting him? No one. <laughs> You're the first. <laughs> so... I said, so I'm, I'm trying to find a way out. And the best way out is it costs too much. How much is, how much, all right, oh, well, how much would it be to adopt them? $75? <laughs> Looks like we're taking Sarge home. So we took Sarge home. So this is Monday, right? So, so we, we got Sarge, we got Sarge in the house, and, and Sarge, they didn't tell us when we signed in line, but Sarge has a, a, a pipe problem too. They call it incontinence, right? Yeah. He's got a pipe problem. And then our other dog had diarrhea. So I had pipes going off downstairs and upstairs. Backups, you want to name it? Okay. And you laugh now, but I was not laughing then. Okay. And there was no glory to God in the highest goodwill and peace towards men. All right. I was not only reacting, I was overreacting. I'd go downstairs, clean a mess, and I'd come upstairs, and I'm cleaning a mess. And it was, it was, oh, Tuesday. Now, wait, wait, don't go to Tuesday yet. So now I, I, I got, you know, I, I called a couple people. Oh, yeah, it's your septic. So I called the septic place, and they said, well, where's your tank? Yeah, thanks a lot. Where's your tank? Well, they said it's outside. It's outside in the yard. It's to the left of the exhaust pipe. Go outside. You see the exhaust pipe? Yeah, it's to the left of that. How? So anyway, Jill comes home. She goes, no, it's over here. I said, no, it's over here. No, it's over here. No, it's over here. I said, I'll show you it's over here. I went and got a, a, a three-foot spike, and I go to where she was to prove her wrong, and I get, tink. 
You were right, honey. <laughs> so I start, yeah. So I start digging up the to get to the tank, and um, I get a text, and it says, and it was from a coworker, a dear brother in law, and he says, I'm on my way. I'm bringing my snakes. Let's snake your pipe. So all right, cool. So he comes and he snakes them, and and we go and we run the water, and everything seems to be great. And then Tuesday hits, and Isabel says, Daddy, I hear water in the basement. Those of you who can't see this water spouting out in all different directions, I didn't have enough buckets to catch the water. So that's Tuesday. And the pipes are still leaking upstairs too, by the way. I want to let you know it's still going on. So Wednesday, I go to check Jill's car, see if she needs... Uh, gas in the car. No, Tuesday, the guy, uh, my friend came over again, snaked the pipe going out, did the cover, got it all going, everything was good concerning the pipes downstairs. Emphasis on downstairs. And then um, Wednesday, I go and looked at Jill's car to see if she needs gas and, the, and her tire pressure lights on. Uh, honey, oh, I didn't tell you. Oh, okay. So there was that. Now, so that was, that was Wednesday. Now, there was something else going on besides the pipes upstairs and downstairs. There was things going on that we as a couple had no control over. This was an outside thing, but we couldn't control it. And it was leading to our frustration to one another. See, what was happening is we weren't talking to one another. Now we were talking at one another. She was venting her frustration, and I was telling her how to fix it. Tell me how that goes along, guys. <laughs> right? Da 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 da. Well, you need to do da 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 da. Well, try that da da da. da. And and there was there was no the communication was just not hitting. See, guys, we like to fix things, pipes included. We like to fix it. We hear there's a problem. We try to we try to solve it. That's that's that. But sometimes it's not. That isn't working. So we reached our. So when through all this, I found myself. Drifting from the Lord, I want to say it in the way I can. See, I even said to the Lord, Lord, I know you're close to me, but I'm not close to you. See, your heart is for me, but my heart is not responding. I'm not, I'm not close to you right now. And I expressed that to the Lord. And so I, I came into the sanct- I came into the church Wednesday. Well, actually, early Thursday morning. I work second shift, and when I get out, instead of going home and, make, and, and doing my devotions, because I don't know how many, no, I'm a very vocal, loud guy. And so I can't do that at 12 o'clock at night in my house. It just would, you know, I would be, probably be out in cuffs. So I come here, and I'm, I'm vocal to the Lord, but I felt so beat up. There was no, I had no voice to express what was going on. See, the pileup had gotten so big and so heavy that I couldn't handle it. And because of my reaction, see, I, didn't, I, I really didn't care about the pipes upstairs or downstairs. I didn't care about the tire pressure light. I, I, I did care about what was going on on the outside that we couldn't control that was causing a lot of frustration and stress in my life. I did care about that because that was important. But what really bothered me most was my response to everything. See, I felt like I couldn't enter into his presence because of the way that I had reacted. And because of the way that I had reacted negatively to these negative situations, 
I, I didn't feel free access into his presence. And because I didn't feel free access to his presence, I started backing up. And so Monday went, and Tuesday went. And by the time Wednesday came, I needed his presence. And I got on my face because I couldn't, I didn't, I really just even couldn't even lift my eyes. And I just prayed, God, help me. Help me. And then I prayed, God, I know you love me. But I need you to love me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, in faith, we know that God loves us, right? Send his son to die for us. We know that God loves us, okay? But even in, in the, in when we're not in the best of shape, I still know God loves me. But sometimes I need to know that God loves me. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I can say to my wife, I love you. But then there's some times that I got to show that I love you. You, 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 you. you getting what I'm putting down? You picking up what I'm putting down? All right, good. Well, it's the same thing that I kind of needed from God, and it wasn't a demand. It was really a, I, it was a, almost a breathing out, a letting out of all the frustration. I just said, I know you love me, but I need more. God likes that. And Tuesday come around, no, Thursday come around. I'm getting mixed up on this. Thursday come around, and me and Jill in the morning, we were at the apex of our frustration. And it, the communication just was not there. Matter of fact, I had backed away, went in the room, and closed the door. And Jill had the nerve to come and open the door. <laughs> like, hello, physical boundary here. Okay, but so what? You know what I'm saying? It was, it was that, it was kind of, it was that tense. And, and it wasn't like, oh, we were screaming at each other. It was just the stress on both of us. We were not connecting on all four. We were not connecting. And I knew it. And she knew it. But then come Thursday afternoon, and God came through. He came through by the kindness of others. And that kindness caused me to come back a Thursday night with hands lifted up, eyes lifted up, and to be able to say, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your provisions. Thank you for just being you. Do you know what that's called when God does that to you? That's called a bounce back. And God today wants to give you a bounce back. See, there are times when everything's going great and you're, 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 you're on the way up or you're on the mountaintop, but we don't all stay there. We all enter up into valleys, and it takes the smallest thing to throw us off that mountaintop. Remember playing king in the mountain when you, were, when you were kids and you run up and somebody would knock you off the mountain and they would take the mountain? Sometimes it's the smallest little thing like a leaky pipe or a flood in the basement or a leaky dog <laughs> or tie a pressure light on or an outside thing, whatever it may be. There's, it's the smallest of things that throw us off the mountain and bring us, bring us down and causes us to have a bad reaction to the things that are going on around us. And I want to speak to you today about those things. See, I want to let you know something. When, you're, when, when things are going good, you kind of feel like you and God, you're God's favorite, if I can say it like that. Like when you're in good relationship with someone, you feel good. 
But when you're not in a good relationship with someone, you don't feel that fate. You don't feel you have that favorite status. You understand what I'm saying? I want to let you know something. God has no favorites. You are his favorite. And here's the thing about being God's favorite. God favors you when you're good, when you're bad, when you're ugly, and when you're indifferent. The favor of God does not change because you change. The favor of God doesn't change because your attitude changes. The favor of God doesn't change because you're having a bad day. The favor of God doesn't change because you've overreacted to a situation. God's favor, you are his favorite. All of us. You know, in a, in a parental thing, we, we see even in biblical time, Joseph was Abraham's favorite, caused Joseph trouble. Sometimes in the home, too, parents can sometimes favor one over the other, and it causes some strife in the, in the house. And, and so, but in God's house, and his house is, has, transcends time and all things, God doesn't have favorites. We're all God's favorite. And so when we're at our worst, it's nice to know that I still have the favor of God because that's when I got to cash it in the most. See, there's times I, got, I need to cash in and say, about right about now, I need, a little, I need a little favor. Amen? Amen. See, in Psalm 23, verse 6, it says, Surely, excuse me, surely, singing two services and preaching two services gets on me. It says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now that surely, is that conditional? It's an unconditional promise from God that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, no matter what the days of your life may be like. God's goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. Amen. So even when you're overreacting or negatively reacting to things that are going on that you have no control over, God's mercy and grace and love is still with you. He still favors you. Goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. See, God always comes through for us even when we're at our worst. That's why it's called unfailing love. See, we fail him. He doesn't fail us. We may fail in our in our communication with one another, he doesn't fail in his communication with us. That's why it's called unfailing love. Let's read 1 Kings chapter, chapter 19. I gotta take a sip of water and then we'll get to it. So 1 Kings chapter 19, verses one through 18. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he was afraid. I want you to hear that. Do you hear what happened right there? This is Elijah. This is the prophet. This is the call down fire from heaven, Elijah. He was afraid. And it says, and he ran for his, okay, I lost my spot there. He was afraid and rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there 
But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touching him. And he said to him, arise, eat. Then he looked and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, or Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he came there to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So he said, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And a great and strong wind rendering the mountain and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing or a whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance in the entrance of the cave, and behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, I alone am, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go and return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael, king over Aram, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, and you shall, anoint over, you shall anoint him king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, Abel you shall anoint him a prophet in, one, in your place. And it shall come to pass that he who escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall put to death. And the one who escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees, that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Amen. And so I want us to be able to glean some things from here uh, concerning this passage of Scripture. So it seems to me that Elijah, Elijah had reached his breaking point. Elijah, you would think um, someone of his magnitude, some of his status, wouldn't succumb to fear, but he did. And so I want us to, to see in the scripture four things, or four things to know about God and your bounce back. The first thing I want you to know is that we all have breaking points. Doesn't matter who you are. We see it in scripture today. Elijah had a breaking point. We all have breaking points. And because we have breaking points, it's God who intervenes during these times. But let's take a look at Elijah. See, he prophesied a prolonged drought, and it didn't rain for three years. 
He prayed for rain again after those three years, and it came. Right before the storm, he tightened his belt, and he ran past, he, ran, he outran a horse and a chariot. That's some running. That's good running. I'd like to know who his shoemaker was. He raises a widow's son back from the dead. He calls down fire on two captains looking to take him, uh, to arrest him. He defeated the false prophets, 300 false prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel by calling down fire on heaven to consume his sacrifice that had been soaked to the bone, soaked to the trench, water running down, calling down fire from heaven, making fun of the prophets of Baal, telling maybe your God's asleep, maybe he's on vacation, maybe he's relieving himself. Did they not? Yes. He, that's what he said, right? So he's then, and then, and then, the prophets. Then he calls down fire from heaven, and the people of Israel bow down and say, the, the Lord, he is God. The very next day, he's filled with fear, and he runs away. This Elijah. And if this can happen to Elijah, it can happen to you. We all have breaking points, right? Amen. Sometimes we try to, to super spiritualize not only people in the world, but we try to super spiritualize ourselves that when we have our breaking point, we end up condemning ourselves and drawing ourselves away from the presence of God. Yet one threat from a, a wicked woman caused him to flee and to tumble into despair. He says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested of himself that he might die. Whoa. And he said, it's enough now, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. See, if Elijah can easily become undone, we should not be surprised when we have our moments as well. See, sometimes we think that we don't meet up to God's standards. And God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for relationship. See, we think that we have to have it all together. We have to respond to things a certain way. Otherwise, God doesn't love us or God cannot minister to us or God cannot help us. But the fact of the matter is there are times when things overwhelm us, break us, cause us to... to to um, act in ways or say things that, well, we've said them, it's too late now, and we think that we're, we're cut off from God, and that is further from the truth. Here is Elijah running from the prophet, hiding in the wilderness, underneath the tree, ready to die, and God sends an angel to feed him. Because God knows we all have breaking points. See, guess what a breaking point is? Thank you. I was waiting for you to ask. Come on, people, work with me here. Work with me. <laughs> breaking points are God's opportunity to prepare us for a bounce back. So what a breaking point is. I've had enough. I'm finished. I'm done. I'm depleted. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Bounce back. See, God is already planning your bounce back. And so that's what a breaking point is. It's not that it breaks us. The fact of the matter is, is what we do with it in the process. See, a breaking point is for God's opportunity to, to prepare us for a bounce back. Here's something else you need to know. Even at our lowest, God is beginning to restore us. And we see that Elijah, when he entered into his lowest point, 
God sent an angel not to feed him just once, but to feed him twice. And that must have been some strong cup of coffee because he was able to walk through the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. That was some caffeine. The first meal he ate, then he went to sleep. The second meal he ate, he girded his loins, and he went in the direction of God for 40 days and for 40 nights. See, that when these things happen, when we reach our breaking point, when we reached our lowest point, see, even in our lowest, God is beginning to restore us. Our low point is God's starting point. So you want to give in, and God wants you to get up. Our low point is God's starting point. See, God displays his care for us when we're at our lowest. See, God doesn't display his care for us when things are going right. God displays his care for us when things are going wrong. See, when we, proverbial we, quotes, think we got it together, it seems like, I got this one, God. You, you, you just stay on the throne. I, I, I'm good. We got this, Lord. We, we got it all figured out. And then everything falls apart. The littlest thing sets us off. And we become unraveled. I think God laughs when he says, when we say, yeah, God, I got this. He's like, <laughs> wait to see what's going to happen this afternoon. <laughs> right? I mean, there was a good sermon last week about the Lord being in your boat. And then I had leaky pipes. We were talking about water coming in the boat, and I had water coming in the boat. And my wife's like, Jesus is in your boat. And my friend texts me, God's in your boat. Is it the SS Minnow? See, but God is with us even in our lowest points. Because that's when God begins to restore us. See, the Bible says in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth, is renewed like the eagle. See, you may be 60, 70 years old, and you still can soar on wings as eagles because the Bible says he renews our youth like the eagle. See, so when we find ourselves in places of brokenness, in places of a pile-on, which is exactly what I felt. Man, it was piling on me. And we find in those places that God begins to what? Renew revive, restore, and refresh. See, so when we're at our lowest, it's when God is, just, God is at his starting point. See, and it's in the moments that everything's going on, we're not saying, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Forget not all his benefits. That's the farthest thing from our mind. Everything else is coming out. Complaints, uh, you know, what's uh, uh, frustration, anger, or, or you know, you're at your wit's end, or why now, or we can't do this, uh, 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 all these complaints. But yet, 
It's in the restoration that we begin to bless, his, bless him and forget not all his benefits. So I want to let you know that even at your lowest point, that's God's starting point. He renews, he restores, he revives, he refreshes. He does his best work when we're at our lowest. Number three, the journey into his presence is more important. Let me try that again. The journey into his presence is more important. It's the most important part of your bounce back. The journey into his presence. You see, what happened was is Monday, I couldn't go into his presence. Tuesday, I didn't want to go into his presence. Wednesday, I needed to go into his presence. See, it's the journey. See, when we set our hearts towards the journey, yes, I wanted to get to his presence, but my feelings were overwhelming my faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? The way I felt was causing me not to enter into his presence. The condemnation that I had placed on myself was causing me not to go into his presence. But by the time I got to a certain day, the thing I needed more was, the, was his presence more than anything else. See, I didn't care about a leaky pipe that was going on upstairs or downstairs. I didn't care about the, um, the, the tire pressure light. I did care about the other thing that, that we, were, we were going through together. I did care about that. But the thing that bothered me the most was my response to everything. That's what bothered me. Leaky pipes, that's, that's an easy fix. Maybe not for me, but for people. I have friends, you know what I'm saying? And I, and, and I, I can get that done. Maybe I can't do myself, but hey, you know, the, the dog, she went out and bought diapers for the darn thing. We got that pipe fixed up. <laughs> and when it comes to diarrhea, this too will pass. Absolutely. Either not, or we'll go out and buy a bottle of wine and use the cork. But, he, but, but it was none of those things. Those things are just annoyances. You pick it up, you clean it up. Because it's my response is the thing that bothered me the most. And it's not like, well, you're a man of God. It had nothing to do with that. It had nothing to do with my position. It had everything to do with my response. And my response grieved me. And because it grieved me and drew me further away from the Lord, that's the thing that bothered me. That's the thing that bothered me. And see, sometimes our journey back to the Lord has a little bit of um, obstacles in its way. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes it's our own feeling of inadequacy. So because I feel inadequate, I'm not ready to venture into the presence of the Lord because our feelings overwhelm our faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so now I'm like, I'm not comfortable going into the presence of a holy God after what the, the um, character or attitude that I just displayed. Knowing full well he has mercy, knowing full well the blood of Jesus cleansing, cleanses of sin, knowing full well, but I felt the damage that that relationship had, had happened. And I was, I was overwhelmed in the place to restore it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I want to let you know that the journey back is, is the most important part of your bounce back. See, Elijah, the angel says, gets him up, eat, drink, boom, go sleep, eat, drink. You've got a great journey. Where was the journey? The, it was the journey back into the presence of the Lord. Even for Elijah, even for us. It's the journey back. It doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to take place. 
right? It doesn't need to be a perfect thing. Well, when, when I got it together, I'll journey back. No, there was no, that wasn't going to happen. I needed to journey back because I didn't have it together. And so we have to understand the journey back isn't pretty, and God doesn't care about the prettiness. What he cares about is the journey back. And I remember laying there uh, on Wednesday night, and I prayed, God, I, I couldn't even look up. I just said, God, help me. God, help me. I want to let you know something. When you're at your lowest point, God help me is the most faith-filled prayer you can absolutely pray because it's total dependency on everything that God is in your life. Remember, Jesus said that the Pharisees pray hip hip hypocritical prayers. They make long speeches. They wear long tails. They do all this stuff to be seen by men. But when you're by yourself and you're at the point of just absolute nothingness, desperation, help me, is the greatest prayer you can absolutely pray. Because it has everything to do with him and nothing to do with you. And that's a great prayer. The Secret No One Tells You in Your Lowest Moment by Stacey Pardo. See, God bends low to defend you in your lowest moment. In the eighth chapter of John, John's Gospel, we find a woman who is about to be stoned to death for committing adultery. I imagine you know the story. She was caught in the act, and the religious people seem eager to seek justice. She's half naked, lying in the dirt, about to meet her bloody death as judgmental critics bludgeon her to death with rocks. Talk about a low moment. More than any other passage in Scripture, this passage shows the posture Jesus takes in our lowest moments. Do you remember what he does? He bends low with the woman. He begins riding in the dirt. And in doing so, he steps into her mess with her. Jesus isn't afraid to get her dirt on his hands. He's not afraid of your dirt either, my friend. Jesus also defends the woman. He invites any of the onlookers to cast a stone, provided they are without sin. The crowd leaves. The woman is alone with Jesus in her lowest moment. Jesus forgives her of her sins and tells her to go and sin no more. Regardless of whether your lowest moment is any fault of your own, Jesus is right there with you. He isn't afraid of your dirty places. He's defending you. God isn't afraid to bend low and to sit in the dirt with you. When the heart-shaping work of this low moment has molded you to look more like Christ, when the time is right, he will gently lead you to higher ground. The greatest display of God's great grace is at our lowest points. Amen? Amen. We beat ourselves up. And tell, us, and tell ourselves, well, I don't, I, can't, I don't have it together. I can't do this Christian thing. It's not about what you can do. It's about how you posture yourself in your lowest moment that God gives you your bounce back. I'll tell you, by Thursday afternoon, after Thursday after we had our apex, by Thursday afternoon, Thursday night, I'm singing, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. 
and all the earth, or whatever the name of the song is. Great is our God. Yes, and I know I don't sing, but even the crow has a morning song for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Don't despair your low points. Embrace them because God's about to do a really good work in your life and display his love and care for you. So don't be in despair of your low points. Use them as an opportunity to receive the grace of God. Lastly, our bounce back is our greatest moment for usefulness. We see when God shows up, there's this big wind, things break, there's a fire, he's not there, there's, there's an earthquake, he's not there, then there's a gentle whisper, and he's there, and God speaks to him and says the same thing. What are you doing here, Elijah? He begins to tell him. He begins to bounce Elijah back, and when he bounces him back, he gives him a mission. See, when God bounces you back, you got to understand that bounce back was not only for you, it was for somebody else. See, the bounce back that Elijah got was for a king to be, to be raised up in Damascus, for a king to be raised up in Israel, for a new prophet to be raised up in Israel, and for him to, get, to go on a fiery chariot and go home. But here's the thing. See, when we bounce back, thanks, God, and then we forget about other people. See, when the bounce back happens, you just say to God, okay, now that I'm bounced back, who needs a bounce back? See, when God bounced back Elijah, he used him again. When God bounces us back, he's wanting to use us again. We're of no, we're of no value in our low point. We all know that. You know, we couldn't, I mean, we couldn't encourage anyone. We don't have any... But once God encourages us, lifts us up, fills us again with the joy of the Lord, fills us with his spirit, bounces us back, then we say, well, it's time to go back to normal. Time to go back to my nine to five. Time to go back to watching TV. Time to go back to getting on social media. Time to go doing this thing and that thing. And we just wasted the greatest opportunity because we have a fresh anointing. We have a fresh testimony. We have a fresh bounce back, and we squander it. See, the next time you're at your lowest point, you get your bounce back, say to God, okay, who's this for? Because I just got my bounce back. You know what I'm saying? I'm good, God. But who isn't? Bring me to, send me to, do something with this bounce back because somebody else needs it. And I'll tell you what, when you bounce somebody back and you tell them now you bounce somebody back, whoa, can you imagine what, how the... The gospel can move and how it can enter into the lives of people that don't even know Jesus because you got a fresh anointing. you got a fresh bounce back. you got a fresh testimony. And wow, you can freshly minister for the Lord. Don't squander your bounce back. You're more useful to God in your bounce back than you were before it. See your low points. See your low points for what it is. It's an opportunity for God work to be displayed in and through you for his glory. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. You can clap. I'm for him, for him, for him. Don't feel whoever that was with that little half clap. This is your church, too. You can clap all you want. If you clap by yourself, that's all right. Go for it. This is your house. Amen? Amen.
All right, let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for these each and every precious soul here. Lord, I don't know where they're at, but you gave me this word, and there's some people in a low point that need a bounce back, and I pray right now that my bounce back is now their bounce back. That whatever is going on that has brought them low, Lord, today you lift the burdens, you take the pile off of them, you, you, you infuse them with your grace, your mercy, your love, your, your tenderness, and the grace and love of the Holy Spirit to restore joy. And Lord, as they bounce back, give them the insight on who needs the next bounce back. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.